Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, church family. At this time, our children can be dismissed here. Yeah! You get snacks down there. Woo! And so as they're uh, being dismissed, uh, Pastor Luke is on vacation, our head pastor. We need to pray for him and his family and uh, Trace, Trace, I said it backwards, safe travels. And uh, the last three weeks, Pastor Luke has been preaching through 1 John and I get the joy of one week preaching 2nd and 3rd John. So you guys, maybe it's not your joy. Okay, maybe it's just mine. We'll see, I guess, right? Set your clock. All right. Well, uh, last week we ended our service at 1015 praying for Sherry. And uh, I've asked Brad to actually come and read the scripture, but also to testify. And you're welcome to come with him too, sister. I don't know if you want to be seen with him still, but. Uh, <laughs> ooh. All right. I, come on up, because I know Brad's going to roast me right back. So come on up, Brad. And he's going to read through 2nd and 3rd John. But first, uh, he has a testify here, testimony. Here you go. Okay, so a few minutes ago, and Sherry didn't know I was coming up here, I was saying something, and she tapped me on the leg and said, be good. <laughs> so I'll try, baby. <clears throat> yeah. You know, thir 33 years ago, she knew what she was getting herself into, right? I think our first date, um, I picked her up in a 12-year-old used Trans Am, bought an enormous steak that I cooked myself and had a big beer and went to a Clint Eastwood movie. <laughs> you knew what you were getting into. So about two weeks ago, or I don't know, 12 days ago, something like that, Sherry, she's got a bad back. She's had a bad back for a long time. And uh, she, she was, went in to get an MRI done and figure out, okay, you know, is she going to need surgery, that type of thing. And she calls me. And, you know, I'm thinking, in my mind, why is she calling me? You've got to wait until I get home to tell me you need surgery, because we kind of figured that, right? And so the doc walks through her, uh, you know, what her options are, that type of thing. She says, eh, I don't want surgery. I'll try physical rehab, et cetera. So, okay, there's one other thing we got to talk about. Um, the MRI showed some spots on her spine that looked like they were, or could well, well be metastasized cancer. And so we were, you know, obviously worried about that. So she went in this Tuesday for a bone scan, and Thursday we went and got the results. Well, I think it's Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be anxious about nothing, but by prayer and petition, re present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. It's easy to preach, hard to walk sometimes. It was hard to walk for about 10 days. Um, the beauty of it was, there's my example of how to walk it. Whatever came out of last Thursday, she was going to praise God. Whatever. There's no cancer. Yeah. 
I did a lot better at 8 o'clock when you weren't here. This happens again, you're not coming. All right. But, but what, what an example. Willing to pray to God, do what you need to do, and I will praise you through this. Wow. All right. Now I'll try to read. And if you would be kind enough to stand with me, take a deep breath, because we got two full books we're going to go through. So <laughs> I don't know why Seth did this to me. Okay, so starting in 2 John, verse 1. To the elder, uh, the elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, but also all who know the truth, because the truth that abides in us will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us. From God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves, so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring his teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather, you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. Three John. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the, of the name, except, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written someone to the church, but Diotrephes, who, takes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up uh, what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers, and also stops those who want and, put, and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony and know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your love and your mercy, Lord. We thank you for our brethren, our sisters, that we are called by the same faith. And Lord, thank you that we can glorify you, that no matter if it is that valley or it is the mountaintop, we celebrate you. As Job says, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so, Lord, we truly want to bless your name. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So two books here, and uh, we're going to kind of recircle back around. As Pastor Luke said at the beginning, John writes in a very specific way. It's not linear thought and more. It's circular. So whatever he says, he comes right back around and says it again. And then he'll say it again, and he'll say it something else. And so I like that because... Um, I think that's how I think. Is. And so uh, Pastor Luke started off with true doctrine. When we start talking about true doctrine, true faith, and then he moved to the second week of faithful obedience. And then last week we talked about fervent love or passionate love for others with the love of Christ that we have, we ought to love one another with. And then we're going to pull out of here, hopefully today, <laughs> yep, hospitality. We're going to talk about hospitality, how to kind of weigh that in your own life. And so uh, before we dive too far in, uh, I'd like to uh, classify that John calls himself the elder. And in the New Testament, uh, this means presbyter or priest. And in the Old Testament, it just means beard. So I like the Old Testament version. So the bearded guy, right? This is how he starts. The, and then it just means chin. Bearded, yeah. So anybody get that? Like, I, now you know why I'm drawn to it. It makes me think of Ron Moffat. I don't know if you know him. The white beard. It's like, go talk to the bearded guy. He knows what to tell you. He's the old, I almost said old. He's the elder. So uh, with that being said, diving in just learning from God's word. I love it. And then, you know what? I'm not here to preach this to you. I'm not here to tell you anything other than what God has pressed in on my heart by diving into this. And tell you what, I'm coming out with some bumps and bruises, uh, but just wrestling this out in my own heart. So I'm trying to be... Uh, I guess, in a way, out front with you that I fail. I don't do this right. And praise the Lord when I don't get it right. God is faithful and just when I confess to forgive me. And who often um, sees that and knows that is, is, our, is my wife, our wives, our spouses, right? When you have a relationship, if you don't have in built-in forgiveness... Ooh, buddy. All right, well, that's a whole nother. Okay, we're sticking to Second John. All right. The history of Second John first and diving into the history and looking at this, John is writing anywhere between 70 A.D. and 86 A.D. And what has happened in their culture is, I think, very important to us. Uh, 
what is happening in his culture is right away Nero, if anybody knows the Roman Emperor Nero, is just executing Christians wholesale in a way that he's even having garden parties and using Christians as the torches. So I'm going to try and keep this PG, but sawn in half. I mean, there's things he is doing that when you Google worst Roman emperor, he pops up. But I'm going to tell you, he pops up because the other one they erase from history. All right? So Nero's in office. They have a, he commits suicide, right? They have a civil war, and there's four Roman emperors in a year. They're just, hey, here's the new guy. Oh, assassination. Here's the new guy. The end of that guy, the fourth one, Vespian, sets up his own dynasty where he's going to get his boys into being emperor. And while Vespian is ruling and reigning, he sends out his son Titus as the commander of the army And you know what Titus does? He goes into Jerusalem in Israel, destroys the temple, walks into the Holy of Holies, and sacrifices a pig. Are you all with me? What's going on in their culture? You have this happening. Titus, who then is part of the dynasty, Vespian's son, he comes to be the emperor. Christians, yeah, might as well not even really be one. Now, Titus dies. His younger brother kind of helps that along, okay? Like, he wants to be emperor. So, hey, let's kick Titus out. This guy, it will not show up in your Google search because when he died, the Roman Senate said, we need to eliminate all of our history on him. We don't even want anything to do with this guy because he was... Like, we think Titus, this guy, and I'm going to get it. I have his name. Hold on just a second. I want to say this correctly. His name, I remember it like a demon, but then it's Dementian. Dementian. He declares that he is God. Okay? Roman emperor saying he's God. Steps on the scene. He says, hey, I'm God. And... In fact, anytime you write my name down, I want you to write it down as Master God, the A number one. He then sends out coins out into Rome, striking them with his face on them. And on the other side is the pantheology top God, Zeus, holding a lightning bolt and him saying like, hey, him and I, we're tight. But then he goes a step further. He brings those coins back in and redistributes coins now with him standing, holding a lightning bolt, saying he is God. All right, is this guy twisted? Are you guys following me? Like shaking some head? And you think, oh, that's pretty bad. You know what the next thing he does? He brings those coins back in, sets his little son on the top of the globe on this coin with six stars above him, and his son is reaching out to grab the stars as saying, my son is the son of God, and he is deity, and you will worship him. So when John is writing this, do you think he's got some problems in his church if this is his culture? Yeah? Okay, two of us. You guys, I need your help. I need some yeses and noes. Yeah, thanks, brother. We got one of these. 
Maybe he's just already mad at me. I don't know. But, all right, do you think there's some issues in his culture? Do you think that John, when they come into church, that people are wrestling with, is God good? Well, this guy's claiming to be God, and this guy's claiming to be the Son of God. What's the truth? Right? And John writes. What does he do in his circle? Truth. Doctrine. Obedience to the truth. Obedience to the doctrine. Fervent love for your fellow Christians and believers. Hospitality. So, I'm going to qualify one more thing. Now, this is not history. It's according to tradition. That means that there is no history on this written. Remember, they erased the history of this guy? Here's what is said. John, who writes 2nd, 3rd John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and Revelation, goes before Dimitri, the demon guy, right? I feel like Elmer Fudd. Like, I can't. So he goes before this claimed God, okay? And this is what tradition says, and since we say tradition and there's no history, this is what I say. That John goes before him and says, you're not a God. And neither is your son. And so tradition says that, that he gets so mad, he says, that's it. We're going to boil him alive. Go get some peanut oil, fill up the vat, get it on fire. And tradition says that John was held and dipped into the boiling oil and you know what happened to him nothing absolutely nothing and i'm i just picture that well dip him again right like something's wrong this ain't right this guy is claiming to be a god and he can't even mess with john why because who is john he's god's man don't touch my anointed right so here he is, he's trying to claim he's God and his son is God. They're trying to kill John. And so tradition says that he, that emperor throws him over into Patmos, isolated so they cannot tell anyone. Because if that gets out, destroys him being a God. Right? And you know what John gets to do on Patmos on the Lord's day? He was all by himself. And God ushered him into heaven and he wrote the revelation of the true son of God. You follow me? All right. Am I the only one excited about this? Or? Okay. All right. We're good. We're good. All right. According to this tradition, this guy's messed up. And thinking about this church culture and what they're dealing with, when they come in and John is just saying, you've got to get to the truth. You've got to know that Jesus is the Son of God. So this true doctrine comes to the elect lady here in 2 John. And understand that this elect lady is a church. Now, scholars would say, oh, it could be just a lady, but it's a house church. So it's probably a lady that's over the house church letting people come in. They're having worship. They're taking the Lord's Supper. They're probably doing it very secretively because Hey, I hope this letter even finds you being a Christian. There's a lot going on in their culture that's not even safe to believe in God and Jesus Christ. So here the bearded man says that he hears about her in these first four verses. He says truth five times. 
I love in the truth. Know the truth. The truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. In the Son of the Father, the Son, in truth and in love. And then he says, I rejoice greatly that some of your children are walking in the truth. Do you think it, truth is important? Okay, some of you are, come on now. Let me read that again. No, you want to go to lunch? <laughs> oh, okay. That's not fair to you. All right. Five times John is bringing us back to true doctrine. Come on back. Come to the truth. I hear that you're walking in the truth. So let me ask you about the big three. The incarnation, the birth of Jesus Christ, born of a virgin. Do you believe it with all your heart? Oh, hey, whoa, there you go. Because we can wrestle right there. God says it in Genesis 3 that one day the woman's seed will bear a son. We have to concrete truth of that incarnation that's from God. A virgin birth. What about baptism of Jesus Christ himself? Here you have him in the water, flesh, fully God, spirit descending like a dove, God the Father in heaven saying, this is my son. Listen to him, you idiots. That's, that's my version. He is the truth. And then what about the resurrection? The big three. The birth, the baptism, and then back from the dead? You really believe Jesus came back from the dead? You know why I believe that? Because he's alive in me. He's alive. So we, I don't even... I, I know I ran out of time at 8, so I'm really being cautious. But Jesus is our own only intercessor. He is the way, the truth, and the life. If we get anything wrong about Jesus, we're off our true doctrine. If we get anything wrong about Jesus, we're not going to have a peace that passes all understanding. Don't get it wrong. Don't get the truth wrong about Jesus Christ he is our Savior. There's no other, no other name under heaven that men are given in which to be saved. It's Jesus. In verse 4, here he commends this church and her beloved children, the people of it, walking in faithful obedience. They're loving one another, walking in the truth, just as they were commanded. Do you know that God demonstrates his own love for us? God demonstrates his own love for us that while I'm even a sinner, Christ died on the cross. God demonstrates his love for me by sending me Jesus Christ. How am I demonstrating my love and walking out faithful obedience? I talk about if we talk about 1 John 1, 9, if we fail, if we fall... God is faithful and just that when we confess it, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many of you need that? All right, so we all aren't convinced that we fail. So this is often where I learn the most. See, I, I would say I'm not quite the book smart, but if you give me a hammer and say, don't you hit your thumb, okay, okay, and then when you hit it, you're like, whoa, well, you were right. Dang. 
I'm sorry I had to experience that. So I often learn through my failures. And then if I don't learn, you know what's next? God will humble me. So I'd like to share a story. It was, uh, I, I know the timeline because it was about nine years and six months ago. Uh, because my son was six months old and he's about to be 10. So don't think I'm all cool in no times. But I remember we were driving in a vehicle and this vehicle had a real, really bad sensor. And so we could, we could, we lived in Joy and we could get to Alito and back. Everything's cool. Every now and then you're driving to the cities and all of a sudden the sensor goes off and just ding, ding, ding. And that's, that's okay for like two seconds, right? It's like, this thing's going to die. Like, we're coming off of Turkey Hollow Road. We got to go to Joy. And I got a six-month-year-old, right, a year-and-a-half-year-old in the back. And all of a sudden, now everybody's crying. And just, okay, just, Lord, help me not drive off the ditch or something. Because start to kind of lose it. You know, this is Chinese torture. They put kids crying. Okay. <laughs> we make it. To Circle K at that time, it was probably Werco or something. But now my son's got to eat. He's six months old. Denise is getting out the bottle. I mean, we made it to Circle K. We got to feed this kid. Okay, if he's eating and I'm done with this car, I'm done being in this car, I'm going into Werco. I'm getting a Polar Pop and two hot dogs because <laughs> I'm eating too because this is, this is nuts. Uh, the hot dogs didn't make it right. But how many of you know that I'm going into Werco electrically charged? Like, I'm thinking, watch out now, right? Because <laughs> uh, I got no nerves and no patience no more. And any other bad English I'm coming in with, right? <laughs> I go in there and I get this. There, there's a sale, like two dogs and a Polar Pop for three bucks or something. And I read the sign. I'm doing what I'm told. And I go to the cash register. The guy's like, oh, it's six-something. And I just write out of my mouth, were you stupid? <laughs> the, the sign, right? The sign's right here. It's like, <laughs> and I, I mean, I was not nice to this guy. And this is just life, man. I'm trying to live it. I'm trying to show hospitality and kindness. <laughs> but he doesn't know what's going on in my van, right? And when I get it wrong, God has a great way of humbling me. And I probably didn't think about that until I walked in to preach a funeral. And I'm supposed to be a pastor. And as soon as I walked in the door, there sat right there this young man that was behind the counter. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Okay. I'm like, hopefully he doesn't remember. No. <laughs> No, right away, God's like, you got to go talk to him. You were wrong. You were mean. And right away, just, sir, I don't know if you remember me or not, but I was not nice to you. And I'm not even going to give you all the excuses of all the things that was going on in my life, but I was not fair to you. And I'm sorry. And I hope you can forgive me. And he said he didn't remember, but would forgive me. And we had a great conversation. He did, they did let me preach, the family. He did let me, in case you're wondering, how does this end? Um, I'm thankful for mercy. I'm thankful for when people 
take you off the hook for the wrongs you've done. Right? Who wants to stand up under all those wrongs? Me neither. With this, I'm trying to dive into hospitality. Let's go to verse 7. Well, actually, let's go to verse 9. There's a warning here for hospitality in 2 John. It says, everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Now, let's move back up to 7. Deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is a deceiver and an anti-Christ. Watch yourselves. And just pause there. Watch yourselves. The hospitality that this church is having is that when someone comes to the door and they knock on the door, they answer it, they have a greeting, come on in. And what is going on is deceivers are coming into the church and they're going to go up and they're going to start to teach. So this isn't don't invite someone into your house. This is a church. Guard what? I'm pointing at it. The pulpit. What is taught from right here is the most important thing to any church. And he's saying, watch yourselves, guard it, stick to the truth, stick to Jesus. Deceivers are going out that want to be behind these things for gain, for more, and to take people for all they've got. And he's warning them, watch your hospitality because they're deceivers. And so I got to clarify hospitality. In our day and generation, we call it entertaining, right? But the Bible says hospitality is giving out kindness and goods with, get this, no, re, no reward or no expectation of return. Follow me? The, Jesus says it this way. If you make a feast and a meal, invite people that can't pay you back. Because if you make a meal and a feast and you bring people and then they pay you back, that's what sinners do. But be like God. Make a meal and give it away, expecting nothing in return. That's like our Heavenly Father. That's hospitality at its finest. No reward, nothing in return. But there's two other types of hospitality. The one is, is Jesus. It's called a... It's the opposite of provoking it's the appeasement. Jesus was so hospitable to us that he brought enemies of God and God together on the cross. You follow me? Reconciliation. Bringing two parties together. Making both of these parties friends. This is the type of hospitality Jesus has for us. I need to get some heads rolling here. All right. Okay. We get... All right. Jenny. Good. The other type of hospitality... Three, right? This one is a word we don't even use. It's in the old Webster dictionary, but it fits. It's called scam blur. Scambler. This is someone who comes in and they know your hospitality. They know that you're opening the door and feeding people and housing them. And they come in without an invitation and they come in and it says it's a dinner guest. 
but it's someone who's just there to take. A scambler takes your hospitality and just uses it for their own and doesn't even care. When I was, when I was running around in the world, I called this a scavenger. <laughs> Someone that would come in and just want anything you have and then take off. And just, here comes the scavengers, put your stuff away. Oh, I got nothing, man. <laughs> Sorry. This type of hospitality, a scambler, is what we have to classify. It's a bold intruder to the generosity and hospitality of others. We see this um, type of hospitality, and I'm just going to come back to Scambler. I'm going to bring that name up, so don't forget it. But let's move on to Third John, or I'm going to get stuck crying. <laughs> Remember that 2 John is classifying as a church. When we get into 3 John, we're talking about Gaius, a person, right, whom he loves in the truth. And Gaius gets it right. He's the right kind of hospitality. He's walking. He's loving. He's expecting nothing in return. The people knock on the door, and this is his house. This is not a house church. The people knock on the door. He brings gives them food and they're strangers and they go back and they report to John, hey this guy didn't even know us and he treated us awesome. Like the love of Christ that we all want. Right? And Gaius gets a good report. I think that is how we classify our hospitality. Are others talking of it? Or what do they say about yours? Are others saying that we are to do good works so that other men will praise our Father in heaven? Let your light so shine that they see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Is that the report you're getting from your hospitality? You don't have to answer. Um, yeah, don't answer that. So in 3 John, we have from the beard, from the beard man, the chin guy, his beloved Gaius, whom he loves in the truth. And Gaius's name simply means I'm glad and I rejoice. And Gaius gets all the wonderful accolades of the circle we've been on, true doctrine. Verse 1, the, he's, the true doctrine is Gaius is loving the truth. Faithful obedience is verse 3. He rejoiced greatly that the brothers came and testified of his obedience. And then verse 5, fervent loved. He's faithful. He's faithful to the brothers, strangers as they are. He's faithful in his fervent love. And then verse 6, they testified of his hospitality. Now, if we were giving out rewards today, Gaius would have it. True hospitality. And then we get to verse 9. I'm going to read this. It says, I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, 
I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us, and not content with that, he refuses to welcome brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God, and whoever does evil has not seen God. Diotrephes, uh, when diving into the history and hearing about the God and how he thought he was Zeus, Diotrephes, his name in Greek just means lover of Jove, J-O-V-E, which means lover of Zeus. When you unpack, maybe, maybe that's unpacking that I'm walking too close to the culture when I think it's me first. Who are you going to care for? Number one, me first. You're a lover of Zeus. It's anti-Christ, right? Because on the other side, it's Christ is first in my life. If I put me first, what am I? I'm anti-Christ. Okay, we're going to qualify. If the Bible and the truth says we have to put Christ first, Christ number one, and then I come over here as Seth Bowker and I'm walking in the flesh, and I put me first, and I'm number one, what am I? Well, you can say it. Just yell out, you're the Antichrist, right? Come on, this is fun. How many times do you get to do that? Crisis first. Walk in the truth. Get in your word. Rebel against authority. No thanks. Walk in the spirit. Not gratifying the sinful desires of the flesh. Walking in the flesh is death. I'm anti-Christ. James says it this way. Selfish ambition and selfishness is not wisdom that comes down from above. It is earthly and demonic. To say me first and I want what I want is me being the devil, anti-Christ. I don't know if I'm qualifying yet. Are you walking in the wisdom that's coming down from above, which is the truth to walk in Christ? Or are we just coming here and then going out and walking in the flesh, doing whatever I want to do? You see, I, I can go down the list of what Diotrephes is doing, but it's no different than what I do. I want to be me first. He goes even further, and anybody that wants to come into the church and support those in the church, he kicks them out. I can tell you this. When true love abounds, we have to have forgiveness. When true love abounds, Forgiveness has to be molded into the relationship. Come back to Christ. No matter where you find yourself walking, run to the truth. Put him first. Here, here's what we did on Wednesday night with the kids. We went down, and you'll like this, uh, we went down villains in comic books. And then we said, well, who's the hero? So I'm going, to put, I'm going to put this out to you because I know someone knows them all. Uh, Lex Luthor, who's the hero? Superman. Yep. Yep. It's okay. You can shout it out. Just don't shout Antichrist at me anymore. We're past that part, okay? 
who's uh, the villain is Ultron. Who's the heroes? Ooh, Avengers. All right. The villain is Doctor Doom. Who's the heroes? Everybody says Spider-Man, but it's Fantastic Four. Okay. Here's the villain. Death. Who's the hero? There's well, we better whoop, back to the truth. All right. <laughs> Jesus. The devil is the villain. Who's the hero? So if Jesus is the hero of death, sin, and the devil, he's got to deal with it right here. My hero has to come in and battle right here. See, we all, we all want a hero that comes down and battles that guy over there. Go get the villain. Go get him. But Jesus says the very villain that he wants to eradicate is in me. My sin, the death that I'm destined to die. And the devil, his enemy is my inner me. Now do you want him as your hero? There's no other name given. He is the hero, but do we want him in here? Do we want him to work out his salvation in here? Because I can tell you, when we start talking about scamblers, I know how good God is. I know how hospitable God is. And I can run to him in mercy and grace and forgiveness. Or do I just run in, forcefully take his mercy and his grace, and I don't do anything else? The saying out there is it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. And that's... Wrong old pickle jar breath. That is wrong, man. Stanky. Bonus points for using pickle jar breath. but And I can tell you why. Because as I was preparing for this message, I hit a wall. And it was right here in me. And I got down on my face. And I couldn't hear God. I'm like, Lord, I, I can't do this without you. I don't know what's going on, but talk to me. Tell me. And he said, get up and call your wife. You've harmed her. And I'm like, no. <laughs> See, I was in a conversation with her, and I thought something was funny, and I made a comment. And she says, you know, you can't repeat that. And I said, oh, no, I'm going to tell one person. And she said, okay, I'll let you tell one. And when I told one, I told two more. She forgave me. I, I told her right away. I'm like, you know, you told me to tell one, and I told now three. There was two more there didn't do what I said and she had forgiven me but God would not let me go past this I mean she'd already forgiven me and I'm calling her and she's like I already forgave you and I'm like no you don't understand I'm the scambler I knew you were good and I knew you had mercy and I knew you had grace 
I did it. I don't want to be that guy to you. And I tell you what, it was like a flood. God's like, all right, you made it right. Now I'll let you preach for me. But if I'm not right with my wife, there's no business being here. And then I realized in that moment when God is releasing me from the flood, the forgiveness was already there. But I broke something in me, my word. How good am I to say I would do something for her and then not follow up? I broke it. And then God was flooding in. And you know what he showed me? How many times I've come to that altar and scammed him. Because I know he's good. I know he's forgiving. And I know he's hospitable. And I come to the altar and I'm like, Lord, it's me just taking. And he showed me how many times I've broken that. Lord, I want to follow you. I'll give you all I've got and everything. And then, hold on, I got me. See, I need a hero that deals with this guy right here and right here. My thoughts, my tongue, my desires, I need Jesus to come in and rescue me from that guy who's my own worst enemy, is my inner me. And Christ will extend to us every time and reconcile us back to God. But I don't want to waste his mercy. I don't want to waste his hospitality. In these last days, the Bible said, the test of true love will be the maintenance of truth. Are we maintaining this in our life? In the last days, the love of many will wax cold and be hardened. In the last days, will be lovers of self instead of following Jesus. And if I love myself, I'm the Antichrist. I don't want his rulership. I'm no different than the emperor who wants to be master and God of my own domain. I don't know how the Lord is working on your heart, but I'd ask if you bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to have a moment that I'd love to pray for you. That you have an enemy just as I have an enemy. And maybe the worst enemy you have is your me. So this for you, you can slip your hand up and say, pray for me. Pray for me to stop loving myself and give it to God for your hand. For your hands. Thanks. You put your hands down. I see them all across the room. We 
desperate to come back to that truth and that obedience, that fervent love. Am I a hospitable place for Jesus to reside? I thank you for the way in which we've broken our word to you. Father, thank you for your spirit. Wash us and cleanse us in the blood and in the power and grace of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to stand and we're going to sing, Christ lives in me. This is a new song. The altar is open. I'd love to pray for you or anything you got going on. Let's stand and sing.